0: A Baptist and a Roman Catholic sit down to talk about exorcism. You got it tuned in to Truth Be Told, four 46 podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Trevi Trev, one half of the Truth Be Told, Jose 4-6 podcast. I know, I know what you're thinking. I've been gone for a long time, not a real long time, just had to take a little hiatus. Life happens. And uh, so, but anywho, I'm back. Uh, um, got a lot of change that happened over these course months. I know we've been gone for some time. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Have mercy. Um but life happens, and and uh, so we keep the we keep everything moving. Uh, God still got the glory, and is getting the glory. The gospel was still proclaimed, and so the devil thought he got the victory, but he did not get the victory. Right, so we praise God for that. And we thank God for all that he is doing in our lives here at truth. We told Jose for six Podcast. We thank you for your prayers. We thank you for your downloads. We thank you for being a part of us and allowing us to be a part of you. Hey, listen, I am not going to leave y'all hanging. I know Halloween, we have always had a Halloween miniseries. And so I do not want to leave you guys hanging and I'm not going to chew any time up. Um, we'll get into some logistics towards the end of the show about what we have coming up for you guys. Um, but i have a young man here and uh he you, you some of you once you once you hear his name you probably seen him on uh different news outlets i know vice uh if you put him in on youtube it's a lot of stuff's gonna pop up uh with some interviews with him uh via podcast maybe some news interviews um I don't want to say I don't know. He can say it for himself that he's becoming one of the most foremost experts on this in America. And uh, I think here in our country, in America, I know we are across the world um, and we are actually in places where they probably do have a high percentage of spirit possession, trans like spirit possession or possession trans likes or what have you, vice versa. So but anyways, without further ado, I want to bring on. Uh, Father Vincent Lampert welcome thank you Minister Delaney it's good to be with you today absolutely man i really i really God knows I really appreciate you coming on and and your work um, is phenomenal I I enjoyed your book he has a book out it is called exorcism the battle against Satan and his demons and uh, you want to get that um, trust me when I tell you you cannot put that book down it is it is a really good read. Um, but Father Vincent Lampard, I don't want to ramble on and tell a lie about you, so I would love for you to tell us about yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. You know, the topic of exorcism certainly
1: is a uh, an intriguing one, especially with Halloween just around the corner. Absolutely. A lot of people uh, begin to think about the reality of evil. So I've been a Catholic priest now for the past 31 years. Wow. So you, so you said young man, but... <laughs> Appearances oh, yes. appearances can be deceiving. <laughs> so, uh, and then uh, 17 years ago, my bishop appointed me to be the exorcist priest in the archdiocese of Indianapolis, which is 39 counties in central and southern Indiana. Wow. So, it's my role to investigate cases of alleged demonic activity and make the determination if an exorcism should be performed. Mm-hmm. It could be performed on a location because the church recognizes demonic infestation, Mm -hmm. which is a presence of evil in a location or associated with an object like a voodoo doll, people playing with the Ouija board. There can be people that need prayers because they are being physically attacked people Uh who need prayers because they're being mentally attacked. And then an exorcism in the formal sense would be someone who is possessed where the devil or some demon has taken control of the person's body, treating that body as if it were its own using the person's mouth to speak, their eyes to see, their ears to hear. Mm-hmm. So again, it's my role to investigate all these cases. Many Catholic exorcists are unknown. Mm-hmm. When my bishop appointed me, he told me that if I was comfortable enough, that I can could be public. And I've always believed that it's important to uh, speak about this very important topic because it helps debunk what a lot of people believe about the devil. Oftentimes, people treat the devil on the same playing field as God, but right. we should never put a creature on the same level as God, who is our creator. So right. I like the opportunity to be able to help educate people about the reality of evil, but even more importantly,
0: about the power of God. Amen. Amen. There, um, there has been a lot of writings, a lot of books that come out. If I panned around and showed you my whole section on demonology occult exorcism black magic even in the protestant side within charismatics and uh pentecostals which have always had a that spiritual view especially in the west right there's a book that came out um exorcism and deliverance i'm gonna hold up so dr um I'm uh Father Young, Father, I'm getting ready to call you wrong. I told you. <laughs> I've had so many people on here. Um, Father L- Vincent Lamper can see this, uh-huh. but they talk about, even though they talk about exorcism and deliverance, they have a nice, decent chapter on theology of how do we see our triune God within the exorcism and deliverance. And so I think it's important because even you said. You write in your book, and I've heard you say this before, and you you quote in another exorcist. um, If you have a talk about God, a few people show up in your (laughs) church. But if you have a talk about the occult, black magic, Satan, demons, it's going to be packed out and probably with more than just your parishioners. So, yeah. I think that, you know, that is a that's an issue when we put our fear into the wrong place. We're supposed to fear God, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because he can harm us. Scripture says he can Jesus said that he can harm us both body and soul, body and spirit. Fear the one. So um I let's jump right into it. I'm a I'ma kind of base the show around your book and then get some of your thoughts on certain things. Um I know people will ask me, well, aren't you afraid when you, you read this? I was like, no, I'm not afraid. Well, I need to be afraid of them. You know, you respect, but you don't, you don't need to be afraid. So he says, uh, you write in your, in, I think it's first chapter, the call to be an exorcist. It is a sad reality that far too many people today seem to be spiritually asleep. Do you think in America, in the West today, in 2022, that statement is still true? I think it's even more true today. Wow. Because if you
1: look at it historically, Christianity built Western civilization. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people today who grew up in traditional Christian homes, maybe even mm-hmm. were baptized, were involved in going to church and Sunday school. But a lot of these people now identify as being an atheist. They mm-hmm. might say they're spiritual, but that spirituality is usually linked to. A pre-christian spirituality right right
0: so uh, you know and that's that's becoming um like syncretism Mm -hmm. and these are ways you know far more than i do that some syncretic ways that people have can start opening up doors so you're talking about God and then manifesting in the same sentence. And then you turn around, I see you talking about you list the scripture on your Instagram or whatever, and turn around, you start Mm staging. And so, my question is, well, what purpose do you have for staging? Because I only know of two that are in Western society for staging. One, Native Americans, when they try to, you know, bring on ancestral spirits, and then within Haitian Voldoon or, you know, would be voodoo, Mm -hmm. it's to ward off some type of evil spirit. So, what are you using it for? (laughs) You know, is the Bible tells us in Philippians, uh, is it Philippians 2, that early hymn, that creed of what Paul records that every knee will bow and confess. Mm-hmm. So we have a name that's far above that is Jesus Christ. So I, I just don't understand. How, and I think it's just it opens, starts to open the door a little bit and a little bit more. And it finally, the devil's going to kick that door down. I'm like, you know, I got you. So. Is there, is there a date? Have you had anybody that has had a, that has had syncretism, like mixing Christianity with something else and it just went awry as far as like maybe obsession, infestation, vexation, maybe possession. I know it's rare, right? (laughs) Help me out.
1: (laughs) I think a lot of people don't realize that, some of these activities that they engage in. So, you're talking about saging. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people do things they think are fun and entertaining, right. but they don't fully understand that maybe they're slowly being drawn into the world of the demonic. Mm-hmm. You know, a few years ago, I was asked to write an article for um, down in Louisville, Kentucky.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: People were going to church on Sunday. As soon as coming out of the church, they would cross the street and go and see the psychic and have their palms read and tarot cards flipped over. And they didn't see anything inconsistent Mm -hmm. in doing that. You know, the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament makes it very clear that we should not be practicing things of the occult. And when people do that, it's a violation of the first commandment, where God says, I am the Lord your God, you shall not have strange gods before me. Mm -hmm. And when people turn to the world of the occult, they're looking for a substitute for God. And initially, when they turn to the world of the occult, maybe they perceive that they're getting a benefit, that something good has taken place. Mm-hmm. But it's always the world of the demonic, and the devil may do these things to give the perception that it's something good, just as a way to draw the per- the person e- in even deeper. St. Paul in 2 Corinthians says, Satan transformed Forms himself into an angel of light right. and he deceives many people. And there's a lot of people today being deceived by the world of the occult and then beginning to think that they can blend that with their Christian beliefs. Mm-hmm. But all that ends up doing is causing people to leave their Christian faith behind and to embrace the occult even more. And when they do that, they're going to find themselves in the grip of the devil, because again, it may start out okay but eventually the devil is going to want his due and people Mm -hmm. are going to see their lives beginning to fall apart and begin to spiral downward.
0: Right. Right. Um, so, so it is, it has to be an open doorway. Nobody can just willy nilly be possessed just because the devil wants them. It, we have to give Satan and his imps an open door, correct?
1: Absolutely. Scripture makes that very clear. You know, in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Your opponent, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him solid in your faith. Mm -hmm. So the way that we defeat the devil is by being solid in our relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. I always like to tell people, we don't have to do anything extraordinary to defeat the devil. You know, as Christians, if you're going to church, if you're praying, you're reading the Bible, Mm -hmm. the devil's already on the run. Right, But it's beginning when people wear that label of being a Christian, but they're not going to church, they're not praying, they don't know the word of God. You know, there's a great power in knowing the word of God, because Absolutely. when Jesus was being tempted at the beginning yes. of his public ministry, and the devil was trying to trip him up, how did Jesus talk back to the devil? He used the word of God. Word of God. Even when the devil tried to start using the word of God, of course, he was twisting it around which yeah, tells know. us the importance of having a correct understanding of the word of God. So when right. the devil tempts us, we should always speak back using
0: the word of God. Amen. Amen. I was, um, I was sharing with, um, with father Lambert, Um I'm in taking, finishing up some Greek courses. Um, I'm in my doctoral program. So I actually read this week. We were, that was, we were reading some, some arguments with uh, within Greek. And I think it's Luke's account when he is talking, when he mentions uh, the temptation of Jesus and Satan and Satan was using the argument of, well, let's say if you are the son of God. So it kind of brings that, you know, that temptation. I don't know. That's just kind of a biblical geek in me, but anyways, (laughs) but right. He quoted God. He, he said, you know, the devil was looking for him to do these amazing feats and almost like to pervert him in a way, if he could, which he could not He's son of God. And so like Follow him. Say he he threw the word of God back in him. He corrected him, and so I think that is really a point for anybody that is going to um, proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make sure you get the context correctly, because and you mean even people with the occult they will give you the Bible. Mm -hmm. They will give you. I used to scratch my head a lot with um, practitioners of hoodoo because they would use the Bible. And even voodoo, because they said the Bible is the biggest spell book. If you know how to use it, have you heard of that? Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. There are people that do believe that there's even a growing trend today. I've seen where people treat the exorcist, not as a man of God, but as a magician, people Mm. think that I have special powers or abilities. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that if you're relying on me, we're all in trouble. But if we're relying on the power and authority of Jesus Christ, present mm. in his church and in his ministers, that's the proper attitude to have. But because so many people today, their faith is in decline. They get involved yes. in the world of the occult mm-hmm. and they turn to the church, but they view the church's ministers as magicians. I've even mm. had people tell me, I want the demon gone, but I want nothing to do with God. But wow. in an exorcism, Jesus is not a bystander. Right, He's the main
0: actor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it baffles me that between one using, you know, scripture with nefarious motives, and then you, you seeing or hearing stories, reading cases, in my case, reading cases um, about people saying, well, I want this gone and I don't want to have nothing to do with your God. Yeah. You know, um there is i'm gonna peer around let me what is uh dr richard gallagher he's been on here he's a psychiatrist i, so. I know him in fact you know him. i'm
1: going to meet him on november the 7th
0: hey let's give a hand clap for a file
1: event okay all right so him and i are going to have a discussion on mental health oh and man
0: exorcism. oh man so that's cool i had both you guys on because he in his book he writes about Julia, the satanic yep. witch queen, right? And she, we don't know what happened to her at the end. And even um, uh, the late Dr. Scott M. Peck, he yep. has a case where there was a lady that was so possessed that, you know, she ended up developing cancer. Yep. You know, the, with being possessed, you know, obviously control her mind, what have you. So, you know, it just, it's... It, It baffles me how people want, you want the help, but still don't want nothing to do because the only thing you're doing is going right back to the trash. You're a dog returning to his vomit. Well, there's also that line in chapter
1: 11 of Luke's gospel where it says, once the demon has been cast out, he goes and wanders through the earth wasteland and then coming back and finding the house swept clean, it it goes Mm -hmm. and finds seven other demons worse than itself. And they come and take up residence in the person. Being swept clean means the demon's been cast out that God hasn't been invited in to fill the void. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that casting the demon out is the easy part. The most important part that people need to be focused on is inviting God into their lives and having that relationship with God, either for the very first time coming to Christ, or if one has backslid on their faith, mm-hmm. grew up again in that Christian home, but now they find themselves engaged in new age, the world of the occult, mm-hmm. You have to renounce
0: all of that. And recommit their life to Christ. Mm. Okay. All right. So I don't, all right, well, let's get to some people like, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the meat. All right. (laughs) So I mentioned earlier obsession, infestation, vexation, and possession. Can you walk us through, and whichever way you pick and choose is fine. Can you break those terms down for us? Yes. So demonic
1: infestation. So the four types of extraordinary demonic activity. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned them, infestation, vexation, obsession, and possession. Infestation has to do with the presence of evil in a location associated with an object. It's an object that was created specifically to create a connection between a person and a demon. Mm -hmm. A Ouija board is a good example, a voodoo doll. So again, it's something that's inherently evil at its very core. Even infestation can do with the presence of a demon in an animal. And we know that that's possible based on chapter five of Mark, when the right. demons are cast out, they're sent into the swine. Mm-hmm. So even animals could be possessed. What's most important for people to realize, especially around Halloween, everybody's always fascinated with haunted houses. Mm-hmm. It isn't that demons live in these locations as pure spirits. They, they don't have an address Right. Thomas Aquinas would say, a pure spirit is not contained by the space, it mm-hmm. contains the space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you and I are in a room, that room's containing us, Yeah. but an evil spirit would contain that space. So when people go to a haunted house, it isn't that the demons live there, it's the very things that people are doing to try to engage these demons, which are causing them to manifest. Because ultimately, what do the demons want to do? they want to make a connection with us so that they can begin to destroy us Mm -hmm. the human person created in the image and likeness of god the demons believe that by afflicting a human person they are indirectly afflicting god himself so Mm -hmm. demonic infestation the presence of evil location object even an animal next is demonic vexation these are physical attacks Mm -hmm. People get marks and bites and bruises on their bodies that appear even incisions of letters can pop up on a person's skin for a period of time and then subside demonic obsession or mental attacks. The devil is literally trying to get inside of someone's head. They might start, start seeing the number six, six, six everywhere at night. They might hear footsteps in the house or Mm -hmm. things moving And so it begins to spook them out. So literally the devil's trying to get inside of their head so that everything that they experience is now filtered through what the devil is trying to do to them. And then demonic possession, the final Mm -hmm. one, the devil or some other demon takes control of the person's body. Now, why would the devil want to possess a human body? The answer is at the very core of our Christian faith. The greatest Mm -hmm. thing that God did for us is the incarnation. God took on human form in the person of Jesus. And because the devil wants to mimic God in every possible way, Mm -hmm. he believes that he takes on human form by possessing a human person. But when he does so, he kind of makes the human person look hideous. That's Mm -hmm. when you see the manifestations, such as the eyes rolling in the back of the head, the foaming at the mouth, bodily contortions, growling, snarling, Cussing, mm-hmm. blaspheming—again, mm-hmm. he distorts the human person as something ugly and hideous. So again, infestation, vexation, uh, obsession, and possession. I will say, I believe there's something called demonic oppression mm-hmm. so is also being attacked, but it's not because they did something wrong. But God is permitting the devil to afflict someone to give that person an opportunity to show their fidelity to God. It's Mm -hmm. easy to be, to say, I'm with God when everything's going great. Right. But when the ball is falling out, can you still say that? Good example Job in the Old Testament. Right. He lost everything. His friends kept Mm -hmm. saying, You'll admit what you did wrong. He's like, I didn't do anything wrong. His wife even says to him, Curse God and die. Mm -hmm. And what does Job do? He puts on sackcloth, he sits in ashes, and he says, as he beats his breast, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Right. If things be bad, I glorify God. If things be good, I glorify God. Mm-hmm. God's rightful place in my life, you know, is the most important thing. And my Amen. personal circumstances will not impact that relationship. Amen. Saint Paul was oppressed. He yes. talked about the thorn in the flesh. Oh yeah, the messenger from Satan sent to torment him, mm-hmm. to keep him from becoming proud. So there is a difference between. Activity of the devil, when somebody opened a a doorway, they did something wrong, Mm -hmm. it went against one of the tenets of our Christian faith, and then people who are afflicted because God permits Satan to attack, again, as an opportunity for that person to show their fidelity to God, and then in the end result, to grow in holiness and virtue. You know, what happened to Job, because of his fidelity, God blessed him a hundredfold.
0: Right. Right. To that, to that, I was reading in Dr. Craig Keener, he has a two volume set on miracles and he has about maybe three or four appendices on demons, possession, and then looking at it from an anthropological standpoint and even um, missionaries. So with missiology, the academic of missionary work. Um, And he writes about power encounters, but One thing he points out when you were talking about even believers in God who can be attacked by Satan, which is, I believe that, he makes a note that sometimes Christians in the West who do go to certain locales, especially like Asia and parts of Africa, who have a very high belief in the spirit world, if you would, that they come with the attitude of, because I'm Christian, can nothing happen to me? And they're saying totally opposite. It was like, because God is sovereign and he's over it all. If he gives Satan and his imps permission, then you will be, you know, so, but that's cool. And then there was another one with Mark five and the pigs, because some people in different religious beliefs was like, well, that's why y'all shouldn't eat pigs. Well, you know, anyways, but so the Babylon's ancient Babylon's uh, Babylonians, I'm sorry, Samaritans, what they would do if somebody... Even if you got sick, they thought you were possessed, even if you mm-hmm. got sick. So their big thing was not to so much go after the demon, but to go after the witch. They believed mm-hmm. there was a witch behind it. So I read, uh, I think it was Graham Twelve Trees book, Jesus, the Exorcist. He said they would put animal parts, particularly pig parts next to the body. So the spirit would go into those parts and then they would destroy it. Maybe it's some connection. Scholars don't know, but I think that's pretty that's pretty cool to see these ancient practice so so to speak maybe that is some validation because in the enlightenment period they were just saying well jesus because of his kenosis where (laughs) he came and you know gave it up that he was playing along with um society that he really didn't believe in and that his temptation in the wilderness was just a battle between mind and and himself and so but anyways so i just want to throw in because i'm a nerd but (laughs) <laughs> so you you said obsession I was thinking so is that more mental or is this is that, that's an actual obsession I've had several people ask me about that and I would say well I think it's satan trying to get inside your mind but at the same time wouldn't that be considered kind of hallucin uh hallucinatory syndromes or maybe DID disassociative, disassociative identity disorder it could be that's
1: why okay. at least in my role you mentioned Dr. Richard Gallagher, Mm -hmm. I would always have somebody to be evaluated by a mental health expert, right? Just to be able to say, hey, is this truly something of a demonic nature? Is it a mental health issue? Because ultimately, mm -hmm. the person needs to be directed to get the true help they need, whether it's spiritual or mental. Right.
0: Okay, so walk me through, say, you know, now you get a lot of calls. Is that correct? Did I Because I'm publicly known. I currently get about 3,500 calls a year. All right. So walk us through what's it, how do you, how do you all go through the process of determining this may be a possible case versus somebody just needs to get some, you know, medical help. The first
1: thing I always tell people, if you feel like you're being afflicted, the very first place to turn is your home church and to talk to your pastor. Mm -hmm. You like, if you're sick, you know, you don't go to the hospital and say, I have a headache. When can we schedule brain surgery? Right. You, know, you, you, you go and talk to your family doctor who evaluates you. Mm-hmm. And then if need be, the family doctor refers you to a specialist, you know, and people that I work with, you know, I can't work with people continuously. They come mm-hmm. to see me. Ultimately, they have to be sent back to their home church where the pastor can provide ongoing pastoral care guidance and direction. So again, people should always begin with their home church. I always say that if you don't have a home church, you know, did you grow up with any spiritual background? Well, go to the church that you at least you have some idea in connection to, that's where you should always begin. And then when people come to me, I would always say we need to have a psychiatric evaluation. Sometimes people don't like that and they get offended. And I say, it isn't that I don't believe you, But even if you have to go through an exorcism, Mm -hmm. you need to be in a mentally strong place. And going through that mental evaluation is going to be very helpful in helping you to be mentally strong. Mm -hmm. Number two would be to have a uh, kind of go to see your family doctor to rule Mm -hmm. out any physical cause for what you're experiencing. We want to make sure somebody doesn't have a brain tumor, for example, or something like that. Number three, I would do an intake questionnaire. So I have a series of 19 questions that I would ask people to help me determine if this is demonic, how did the devil enter into this person's life? Mm-hmm. Again, if a person is being faith filled, then the devil's on the run. Mm-hmm. But did they let their guard down? Some questions would be, have you ever been diagnosed with a mental health issue? Are you taking medication? If you went off your medication, did you do that under the direction of your doctor? Did you do it on your own? What kind of movies do you watch? What do you read? Do you hang around with people that are involved in the occult or a satanic activity? Mm-hmm. So again, just trying to determine where the entry point may have come from. Step number four, there are four signs that the, the Catholic Church says could be signs of possible demonic possession, mm-hmm. the ability to speak and understand languages otherwise unknown to the individual, mm-hmm. having superhuman strength beyond the normal capacity of the individual, having elevated perception, Mm -hmm. knowledge about things that that person as an individual otherwise would not know, and then having an aversion to anything of a sacred nature, Mm -hmm. having a very strong reaction if somebody is reading the Bible in front of you. If you come into a church or a chapel blessed with holy water, being shown a crucifix. You know, in the Catholic tradition, the use of holy water and a crucifix People should never believe that there's power in those things in and of themselves. They always Mm -hmm. point to something greater. The holy water points to our baptism into Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. by which all of us have become a new creation. We've died to our old self, and now we've put on Christ. The crucifix is used because the moment that Jesus is dying on the cross, the devil believes that that's the moment of his victory. But the moment of his perceived victory is actually the moment of his defeat. Because the devil realizes that everything that he was doing to lead Jesus up to the crucifixion was playing out exactly how
0: God had intended. Right. Right. Um, So let me, you you said something in there. How do I want to put this? Okay. So I've had this conversation with people. Um, What's on it, what seems to be on the boom today are deliverance ministries Um, and not to call out names. Now there was a clip that came out this week of, are you familiar with Bishop TD Jakes? Yes. Uh There was a clip that came out this week that, you know, was making their way around the internet people. You know, I had some friends that asked me my opinion on it about a possible lady that was possessed in his church. I don't think she was personally. I don't think she was, because I don't understand with where I'm at is, how can you sit an entire service and not have that demon manifest? Because scripture says in John that light, I'm sorry, dark darkness has not comprehended, or in some translations, has not overcame the light. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going into spaces where it's light, the Holy Spirit, then immediately, as soon as you hit those grounds, there should be some type of manifestation. In my, in my opinion, now, some will run to Mark one where the, where the demon manifested after Jesus gave his sermon or was, you know, dialoguing about the Torah. And my, my point of contention will be, well, what's the difference between a synagogue and a church? And you would say the Holy spirit. So I don't, and you know, this and Mark, I guess, in Mark, we're assuming that Jesus has already been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, thus bringing that power and it, boom, manifested. So do you, what are your thoughts on that? Is it is it possible for a demon to sit or a demoniac to sit through an entire service or even make their way across the threshold of a church or even come on church grounds without acting out? That is possible mm. if
1: it's perfect possession. Oh, wow. Talk, talk to us about that. <laughs> I, I don't know that if you've ever heard of perfect possession. Perfect yeah. possession is when, you know, we all have free will. Uh huh. I think the goal of the Christian is to unite our will with the will of God. If you think about it, the only thing that God does not have from us, that which he desires is our free will. mm mm-hmm. So God has created us. He's given us free will, but we can make the choice to turn to God or turn away from God. Mm-hmm. When somebody is perfectly possessed, it means that they have united their will with the will of the demon. Mm. And when there is a perfect possession, a person can actually be in a sacred space, mm-hmm. listen to a sermon, and it has no impact on them because the devil has won that person over completely so there's no battle that begins to take place between that person as an individual and the demon there's Mm -hmm. really no need to manifest because the devil says you're mine so i think it is possible but it would have Mm -hmm. to be perfect demonic possession
0: okay okay and that that, you know and that makes sense i was uh a a dear friend of mine was sharing, he pastors um, in a very big city in the U S and he was sharing some stories with me about his childhood and having um, people from black, witch coven's so satanic. And then you have obviously the, uh, what they would say, right-hand, left-hand path of magic, but you know, behind every single magic, in my opinion, and what I believe is a demon working on behalf of the conjurer. So, he would share stories about how people would come from these different covens or these different satanic cults, uh, you know, put snakes in the offering basket, if you would. Um I've I've heard stories of uh witches coming to churches and trying to hex the church, oh,
2: yeah.
0: sprinkling blood on the yard. Um, you know, even t- you know satanic cults trying to infiltrate the church having a strategic plan and nothing you know they don't come in and start manifesting so that's pretty interesting you say that so that's that's good um what has been when you when you when you first started uh when your bishop appointed you as an exorcist did you have any training um did he give you a manual and say, here, study this, and I'm going to send you on a case? What, walk us through that. In, in Roman Catholicism, how does that work as an exorcist of training-wise? What what? Okay. How do they prep y'all?
1: So the Catholic Church doesn't have a monopoly on the practice of exorcism. That's probably something people should know. But in the Catholic tradition, it is a liturgical rite. Mm-hmm. So there there is a prescribed way for it to be done. So there is a ritual book. And uh, the book, you know, the rite was revised in 1998. Mm. And the revision replaced the old rite that had dated back to the year 1614. Mm -hmm. So from 1614 to 1998, the rite remained unchanged. What's new in the new rite is that there are supplicating exorcism prayers. Supplicating prayers are prayers directed to God, kind of like deliverance ministry prayers. Mm -hmm. So... A formal exorcism would be commands to the demon, just like Jesus commanded the demons to leave, the church always acts in imitation of Christ. So when I was appointed, I became only one of 12 Catholic exorcist priests in the United States. The church says the best way to learn is through Mm -hmm. the apprenticeship model, to work under a seasoned and a well-trained exorcist. Mm -hmm. Well, there was only 12 in the United States, so there really wasn't anyone for me to train under. know, the practice of exorcism kind of fell out in the Catholic Church after the 1960s. The Church had the big council, the Second Vatican Council from 1962 Mm -hmm. to 1965, and I think a lot of people started thinking in what you alluded to earlier that, you know, there really aren't demons, it's really something of our own making, it's a mental health issue, that type of thing. The Archdiocese of Indianapolis, the church in central and southern Indiana, has always had a priest assigned to this ministry. So we were one of those few 12 places that still maintained an exorcist. Mm -hmm. Ironically, the exorcist in Indianapolis, he died in 2005. Uh, He was the priest in the church that I belonged to growing up. Mm -hmm. So never dreamed one day I was going to become a priest and inherit his job. Right. So I trained in Rome. So in the early part of 2006, I lived in Rome for three months. Mm -hmm. I found a priest who permitted me to work under him. During the three months I was in Rome, I participated in 40 exorcisms that he performed. Again, priests that are well-known in the ministry of exorcism tend to get a higher volume of people reaching out to them. Mm -hmm. So sitting in on those exorcisms allowed me to learn firsthand Uh, The church's ministry to those who were afflicted and the best way to help them. Mm
0: -hmm. So we see, I know you said, uh, uh, you know, Roman Catholic church does not have a monopoly, which is true because you do find exorcists within Judaism, within Islam, Mm -hmm. Buddhism, Hinduism, even, uh, you, you know, within local indigenous practices, wherever they may be a witch doctor, um, so, Hollywood makes it seem as though there is kind of like the go to is the Roman Catholic Church. Does Hollywood, I tell folks, something you know, they can get a little bit too far on the spectrum of you know, pea soup, so to speak. <laughs> In if you ever saw any movies, have, have as far as exorcism, have they do they get anything right within? You know, on
1: everything that Hollywood portrays in those movies happens. All those manifestations, those things happen, but the devil plays on a person's memory and imagination. Mm -hmm. I think the problem with Hollywood is goes back to what we talked about earlier. If you're going to talk about Jesus, 20 people are showing up. Going to talk about the devil, 200 people are showing up. Absolutely. There's that greater fascination with evil. So Hollywood wants to portray the devil as some heroic figure. Mm-hmm. And kind of draw people in to say wow look at look at that look at that mm-hmm. but really the church in an exorcism wants to say no don't look at the power of the devil look at the power of god what god right. wants to do in the life of this person you know there's a a saint in the catholic tradition Padre Pio he was he he suffered oppression he died in 1968 he lived in central italy people would come to see him seeking spiritual guidance and counseling but he believed that God permitted the devil to oppress him. Mm. He used to call the devil Old Bluebeard. And in his biography, he writes that one night he was sleeping and he heard noises in his room. So again, there's a sign of like infestation, maybe even some vexation. Right. And he looks over in the corner of the room and he says, it's the devil. And he said, oh, it's only you, Old Bluebeard. I thought it was somebody important. Then he said he rolled over and went back to sleep. Now, wow. how many of us, if we thought the devil <laughs> was manifested in our room, would we just roll over and go back to sleep? Right. You get a house. But again, the house. <laughs> it's the notion the devil is a great illusionist. He always mm. wants to portray himself as something more than he is. And the focus should always be on God and not on the devil. And I think, again, Hollywood is more focused on the devil, but the church is always more focused on God.
0: Mm. Amen. Amen. What it would so you said it's it's been uh that hollywood can get some get some of right well the obviously the manifestations um you know you know deeper voice or a, a strange voice uh the unknown languages um what are the what are the unknown languages first is if there a you, typical language that-
1: they're not unknown languages they would be ancient languages Ang- right like unknown to be Greek, like, Aramaic, ones that are not co- really commonly known. But like one languages. is really studying theology. Right. So a lot of that would be uh, ancient languages. So they'll speak those because sometimes people will say, well, what about the gift of tongues? Mm-hmm. I said, well, the difference of, with that is that a person is glorifying God. They're speaking in glossolalia, kind right. of the language of the Holy Spirit. And there's a big difference between that. And a demon speaking ancient languages again. Why is the demon doing that? Basically, saying, "Look at me. Look how smart I am." And right. you know, you need to focus on me and not on God.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So, have you what have what have you witnessed that has? It, uh, let me let me rephrase this. Have you ever witnessed anything that kind of taking you back a little bit? Like, <laughs> <laughs> let, let me tell you, the first exorcism I
1: set in. Oh, when I was in Rome. <laughs> So I'm talking to this Italian lady. I tell people I learned enough Italian to, uh, to order lunch <laughs> in the oh, afternoon. Wow. But so I'm talking to this lady. She's there with her husband. She's about four feet in front of me. We're mm. having a good conversation. The priest is training me. His name was Father Carmine. Mm. So he walks into the room and he puts a roll of paper towels on the table. He walks back out. He comes back in and he ties a plastic grocery bag on the wall radiator in this small little room. He walks back out again and, you know, I'm looking at him, watching him out of the corner of my eye and still talking to this lady. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't so bad. There's nothing to be concerned about. He walks back in the room again and he uh, blesses the lady with holy water, which causes the demon to manifest. Her eyes immediately rolled in the back of her head. She began to foam at the mouth, growl and snarl. She starts cussing. She's Mm. blaspheming God. Father Carmini reaches over and tears off a paper towel, wipes her mouth off, throws it in the plastic bag, and just keeps praying over her. Mm. And I'm looking at this thinking, what in the world is going on? Later in that same exorcism, the demon finally looked at me straight in the eye with this hideous look and grin and began to levitate. The person's body started to rise up out of the chair. Mm. And I'm kind of looking at this thinking, what in the world has my bishop gotten me into? (laughs) But the amazing (laughs) thing was, not that, it was the reaction of Father Carmine. Mm -hmm. He never paused once in his prayer. And then eventually, very calmly, he reached over, took his hand, put it on the head of this person, and then pushed the body, the demon, back into the chair. And not once did he pause in praying. And it really was a teachable moment because it was saying, really, that's all you got? God is a lot greater than that.
0: Wow! So do you, do do you, you all as exorcists? Do you think you become immune to because you take an average person off the street that says, "Yeah, I, I want to learn," and then you take them in there, they're like uh, I got the wrong, you know? <laughs> do you all, you know, do you become immune to it as far as like their antics of trying to frighten whoever is in the room? Yes, it- because
1: you know a demon. When a demon manifests, what it will do is size up everybody in the room okay. and then determine who's the weakest link. And then the demon then will kind of go after that person, try mm-hmm. to get into their head, you know, make them fearful, sometimes even try to physically attack them mm-hmm. because that's a way to disrupt the prayer of the church. You know, and after 17 years of doing this ministry, I'm not afraid of anything the devil tries to do. Now there's a difference between a natural human reaction. If somebody jumps at me, I'm you know, I'm gonna flinch. That's right, but I'm right. I'm not afraid of what the devil's trying to do because uh-huh. I believe one hundred percent that the power of God is greater than the power of evil. Amen. And if one is standing in the light of Christ, there's nothing to be afraid of. Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing.
0: Have you um I wanted to ask this. I think Dr. Gallagher wrote about in his book, um, in fact, had to deal with the chapter on Julia, the satanic queen. That have you ever seen a demon manifest outside of a body, not physically, but like uh what some people say like a black shadow? Oh, yes. Absolutely. You okay. So that's 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 possible. Yeah, and I think it and God permits
1: one to see that because again, demons as pure spirits, mm-hmm. but but any time that I have seen a demon it's like a dark blob it's the darkest dark that you can ever imagine Mm -hmm. and if you think about it like the devil before the fall was known as lucifer which means light bearer Mm -hmm. he was a seraphim angel meaning the fiery ones closest to the throne of god Mm -hmm. and anyone close to the throne of god would radiate the glory of god Mm -hmm. so he literally was on fire for god if you will but when he fell He was no longer being fed by the glory of God, so he fell into darkness. Example I always give is, I have six brothers and two sisters. so We grew up in Indianapolis. My brothers and I used to like to play with these little rubber balls that would glow in the dark. Mm -hmm. So we would get them, we would put them up to the light. Then we'd be in a dark room, we'd turn off the light, and that ball would glow. Mm -hmm. But eventually the glow would start to go out if it wasn't constantly fed by the light. Right. Now the devil is no longer fed by the light of God. So he's lapped into total darkness. So Mm -hmm. again, when a demon manifests, it's this dark blob, if you will, and it's the darkest dark that you can imagine. And every time that I've witnessed one of these demons manifesting like that, something always something bad always happens immediately afterwards. It's like the devil is trying to approach and to really lead somebody into temptation to mm-hmm. give in to sin. And then that person's
0: life begins to spiral downward. Mm. Um, interesting. Interesting. Um, so let me ask you, what has, what has been a, and I know you can't get details. Has there been a very prominent case that you worked on in America? None that are been in the news. None. I mean, there, there are some that are out there.
1: You know, there's that story that just broke in Indiana about that five-year-old boy that was found in a suitcase in southern Indiana.
0: Okay, yeah, I and think that uh, was on national news. Yes,
1: yes. So, yeah. So, uh, so I've been asked lots and lots of questions about that, mm-hmm. just because the mother, you know, claimed there's the police are still searching for her, but she's been charged with killing her son. But according to the police records, she thought that he was possessed by an avatar that an ancient spirit had possessed her son's body and therefore she was trying to get the
0: demon out. Mm. So, you know, there was another case like that. uh, I think it was in California. Um, They, it was, I think it was a little girl that was her parents or mom brought it to her uncles. They tried to perform an exorcism on it. They thought the little girl was possessed and the girl wasn't possessed. And the little girl ended up being killed during the, whatever ritual they were Mm. doing. Uh, which is is all the way sad. Have you ever been in public and a random person might have manifested? Like maybe looked at you and... uh, Oh,
1: I get that all the time. Ah, wow. You see looks on faces. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, if I'm traveling through airports and things, I'll see people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I may not have on my black clerical garb. Right. Just wearing regular street clothes. And I'll even get demonic stares and looks from people. Wow. Because That's... again, the devil knows who's mm-hmm. working to defeat him. And it's not that these people manifest, but you just see this pure hatred on the looks of these people. And, and I do believe that these people are, they're, they're possessed. Yeah. And anytime people that are possessed encounter, you know, men of God, women of God, Mm-hmm something's going to, to try
0: to manifest or come after you. It's like the light that, you know, a bright light or something like they can smell it almost if you would. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Well, I'll tell you what, we are getting ready to wrap it up and I wanted to, um, we play a little game called rapid fire. And so you can do like, maybe take a minute for these questions, but I wanted to ask you about maybe five, we'll see. And they all center around possession. uh, Can a person be possessed? What are your thoughts on this topic? Because we hear these a lot. So the first one I wanted to ask you, can somebody become possessed from sexual intercourse? And the answer would be
1: yes, Mm. if it's a form of lust, if Mm. somebody is not living a relationship as God intended. You know, one of the seven deadly sins is lust, Mm -hmm. So if, and if people are having sexual relations with someone who's not their spouse, or if they're having relations with somebody who's engaged in the world of the occult or Mm systematic practices, then they can bring that evil
0: upon themselves. Mm -hmm. And then Adam Blaze's new book that he just dropped. Uh, I think it came out in September. He has a case in there where that happened, where somebody slept with somebody that was a witch and ended up getting possessed. So, all right, next one, um, Incubus and succubus.
1: So demons who desire to have sexual relations. And of course, a demon as a pure spirit doesn't have a body, Mm -hmm. but again, they can play on a person's memory and imagination. And to me, so an incubus would be a demon trying to have sex with a woman, a succubus, a demon trying to have sex with a man. But for me, The best way to understand that is that the devil is playing on a person's mind, really getting them to give in to lust and all kinds of sexual pleasures and things. Mm. So it isn't literally that the demon is having sex with them, but the demon is causing them to have these extreme sexual thoughts.
0: Mm. Okay. Sleep paralysis.
1: I think sleep paralysis can be uh, it could not always, but it could be that a demon is attacking a person mm-hmm. in their sleep, which is causing them to feel like they're paralyzed. And then the demon is having power and control over that person.
0: Okay. Paranormal TV shows.
1: Paranormal TV shows. Again, I would say that the entertainment industry is an entry point for the demonic into people's lives. So people watch these shows on paranormal activity. It, creates a fascination with the devil. And then the devil will use that as an opportunity to enter into that person's life.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Crystals, sage, tarot cards. These are uh,
1: things of the occult, things that have to do with magic, things that are used to uh, put power and spells over people. But all of those have a demonic component to them. They are all inherently evil. And as the su- as such anybody that uses those things, it's the power of a demon behind them. You know, witches and psychics and mediums don't have any real power. The power behind them is the power of the devil. Either they've been duped by the devil and thinking they have power or they know it's the power of the demon but they go along with it because they like the attention the notoriety, or the money that comes along with that. But all of those things are tools the devil uses to try to get a hold on us. Mm
0: -hmm. Freemasonry.
1: Freemasonry. You know, there's always this big debate whether, when you look back in ancient history, the deities that come out of other traditions, were they demons, these fallen angels that humanity began to worship, And then eventually that took on a notion that they were true gods as opposed to demons. Mm -hmm. Freemasonry, the Catholic Church would say, the danger is that they are a secret society and they are resurrecting ancient deities, which could be demons, Mm -hmm. which then is exposing people to the demonic in the present day world from demons that come out of ancient history.
0: Mm. All right. Last one, and we get this quite often on our social media, is pornography. Can pornography open the door?
1: Absolutely, because pornography causes people to treat others as nothing more than an object Mm. for their sexual gratification. So rather than treating a person with dignity and respect as a brother or sister in Christ, one who's Mm. also been created in the image and likeness of God, somebody is just using the other
0: person as an object Mm -hmm. and first Thessalonians four, I believe it's one through nine. Paul mentions, uh, with sexual lust. I think the Greek is pornea or pornea stay away from it. So keep yourselves pure. So, all right, well, let's give a round of applause to Dr. <laughs> uh, Father Vincent Lamprey. might be a doctor, I don't know, getting ready to PhD, some THD. Well, let's give a hand for him. God bless him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This has been a wonderful episode. Thank you so much, Father. And we are yet praying for you and your ministry and that God will still use you. And as long as he decides to use you. Amen. Amen. We thank God for you. And of course, get his book, um, exorcism the battle against satan and his demons and i'm telling you it's not you know he can chime in it's not filled with all these exorcism stories and what have you but if you want to get some more information on um you know the ministry behind it some if hey look i use it for academic stuff so it, it is good for that as well um get this book do you have any other books out that's the uh that's the only one so, again, you mentioned there's a
1: lot that's on YouTube and mm-hmm. interviews and things that I have given. I just did a. Uh, a talk from. Um, Emmaus Road Publishing this past Thursday, there's an audio okay. out there on um, the biblical roots of exorcism. OK, I'm going to have to so, check that one out. I'm going to have to listen to that this morning. Um, well, it's about, a 45, this... it's about a 45 minute presentation. OK, but again, it reinforces the notion that evil is something real. It's not just inhumanity's treatment, you -hmm. know, inhumane treatment of one another. Jesus made a clear distinction between demonic possession and physical illness. Mm -hmm. He sent his disciples out. He gave them the ability to cure the sick, but also to cast out demons. So Jesus makes the distinction and we should continue to make that distinction today.
0: There is a book, matter of fact, as soon as you said that about the distinction, it is by... (laughs) John Warwick, Montgomery, Demon Possession. So he puts together, and if y'all want to get this, it's called Demon Possession, an unusual collection of experiences, case histories, studies, and conclusions from a wide range of professional people, including doctors, psychiatrists, scientists, historians, theologians, and college professors. But they talk about how Jesus made a distinction between um, Echbalu, the cast out um, exorcism, and sickness illness Mm -hmm. um and even some demons to follow that sickness and illness but they they discuss all that so it's pretty good if you guys want to want to get that um father vincent lampert if anyone wants to get in contact with you they may have something going on what have you if you're in the indiana area i know and i didn't ask you about it but you like you did say you refer them back to their local pastor um but if anybody is in around your area that may be listening how can they get in contact with you The best way is to email me. So I have an email
1: address. It's very easy. ExorcismMinistry at gmail.com. ExorcismMinistry at gmail.com. Even if I can't work with people directly, what I try to do is give them some sound spiritual advice and direction on what they can begin to do to take positive steps to uh, get out of the realm of the devil and get back into the realm of God amen
0: amen all right well guys we uh again we want to say thank you thank you thank you another round of applause (laughs) and listen we uh we got some episodes coming to you guys we're going to be dealing with christians and the law or christians required to keep the law so i got a special guest coming on for that one we're going to be dealing with dreams does god still speak through dreams uh so we got another guest coming on for that one um but stick around hang on with us we're going to be going up 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 and up as long as god is going to take us up 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 and up to glorify his kingdom amen So we thank God again. If you want to get in contact with Father Vincent Lampert, he has given his email. Just rewind a little bit. Um, We will also list if it's okay with him, his email on our social media page. Just in case if somebody didn't catch it, if it's okay with him, if he says no, then we won't do it out of respect. Uh, But again, just rewind if you need to get in contact. Um, And again, we thank God for you uh, for allowing us to be a part of your lives with this podcast. Um, and we just, you know, we'll pray as is uh, please pray for us and as we pray for you guys. Uh we thank you. We love you, we appreciate you. God bless, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. <music>